Praise the Lord, everyone. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Catch my breath here a minute. That was some song service. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Well, it's good to be in church. Bologna sandwich is back with you tonight. That's what you're fixing to get fed. I hope you like bologna. Hallelujah. It's on white bread. Hallelujah. There's a little bit of Miracle Whip on there for you, but that's about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to say thank you to Pastor and Sister Riggin again. Give them honor tonight for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit. Present to you a burden that I've got. Hallelujah. It's, I've got nothing new tonight, nothing profound. You can look at me and tell that ain't going to come from this guy. Nothing profound. But I do have something that I want to share with you tonight. Hallelujah. And, uh, I don't know how long I'll be. It's kind of like that uh, old saying that the monkey said when he got his tail caught in the mower, it won't be long now. Won't be long now. So if you ride with me just a little bit, I believe God wants to talk to us a minute and help us. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 8, we'll read 8 through 11. Verse 8 says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly up toward heaven, he went up and behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, you men of Galilee, why you stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Bringing your attention back to verse 8, saying that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. I, w- I just want to talk to you tonight about A witness from a sinner's perspective. A witness from a sinner's perspective. Let's all pray. Lord, we thank you again for your presence that's met us here tonight. God, you're everything. And we're looking to you, Lord, that your will be done, that your anointing would fill this place, that your word have its way in this house. God, lead me. Guide me. Anoint these lips of clay, God. Anoint my words. Help your people, God, I pray. You know, you know situations and circumstances, God. And I'm asking you, Lord, to minister in this place. Minister in this place and bind us together tonight, Lord. God, you're everything, and we need you in this hour, Lord. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Read you in Acts chapter 1, the account of Jesus was fixing to be ascended up to heaven and he 
He let them to know that they were going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon them. And that power was going to be to be a witness. To be a witness. And the definition of a witness is to attest of a fact or an event. It also means testimony. It means one that gives evidence specifically. One who testifies in a cause or before judicial tribunal. One has to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify to its having taken place. One who has personal knowledge of something. Something serving as evidence or proof. As evidence or proof. We're talking about a witness tonight. Talking about a witness. And the day and the hour that we're living in kind of piggybacking off of what I had to say last time I was up here preaching about thorns. So often in our lives we get cumbered down with the problem and we forget the purpose. I know I do. There are times when I'm just so caught up with just trying to figure something out that I forget my purpose and why I'm in the church. I concentrate on figuring that thing out to the place to where I forget that I'm walking among lost world. A lost world. And I'm going to come to you tonight in a little bit different direction. And that is from the sinner's perspective. And we know that in John chapter 4 verse 35... Lord says, say ye not that there are four months, and even cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they're white already for the harvest. The fields are ready. There's no problem with the field. The field's ready to harvest. It's white, it's ready to go. And if you look out along in the spiritual realm, you can see help-wanted signs everywhere saying, we need workers. We need people to work in the fields that are white and ready for the harvest. And so often as we do in our lives, we we get in a rut and we get in a routine. And a lot of times we kind of forget again our purpose. And I want to kind of talk to our young people here tonight, those that may, I don't know how many of you are still be going to school, if you'll be going to college. But a lot of times in, in, in college and that setting, it can become uncomfortable to be a witness. Your holiness standard can be uncomfortable. It just not in school, it can be in the workplace. You ladies especially, you deal with, with the issue of having the long hair and wearing a dress and here you come walking in day after day after day with the long hair and the dress, and you begin to notice the looks, and maybe the talking amongst their coworkers, and every once in a while you may be checking out the fact that they're kind of giving you the cold shoulder, and that's uncomfortable. But I just wanted to, I want to, I want to bring out the other side of the equation. That person that's giving you the cold shoulder. I want to talk about that tonight. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, the Lord led us to know, gives us information that's imperative for us to be effective 
if we're going to be a witness. We got to know the game. We got to know where we're standing. We got to know what's going to happen. And then the Lord lets us to know here, beginning of verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the world, the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. You're dealing with a world that doesn't know God, especially today. I remember as a young man growing up, my parents took me to church. It wasn't truth, but elder, it was still church. And there was that, that element there of getting to know God, be it Trinity, but still knowing God. And having that influence in my life. But now we're dealing with a generation that hasn't had that. You've got parents that don't take their kids to church. You've got parents that don't say anything about God. And here you come along and you're wearing your skirts and your long hair. And guys, you're wearing your long sleeves and you don't wear shorts. And it's 120 degrees outside. They don't understand that. And they don't know how to deal with that. And the Lord let us to know that the world is going to hate you. If you're going to think you're going to walk in there with a holiness standard and the world just, oh man, wrap their arms around you and just love on you. Oh, you're looking good today. Man, no. The world's going to hate you. Because they don't comprehend. They don't know God. And here you come walking in, you're full of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is inside you, and that Holy Ghost is emanating from you, along with your holiness, I'm telling you, from a sinner's standpoint, that's pretty rough ground. That's pretty rough ground. I can remember before I got into church, Grew up in the restaurant business. We had a lady in our restaurant that worked for us. Her name was Sister Linda Adams, and she was a dishwasher. And Sister Linda, she, she was there when we bought the restaurant. And Sister Linda wasn't in church then. And pretty soon, um, years later, somebody came down to Anthony, started having Bible studies, and Started having group meetings in homes, and before you knew it, they got a building, and and you know we would hear little skiffs of it every once in a while. I mean, Anthony, Kansas was only sixteen hundred people, so you couldn't get by with a whole lot with all of us knowing you. You know, there's a small town; we could tell what she's doing. So one day, Sister Linda comes walking in the restaurant, Elder, and notice she's wearing a skirt. It's kind of odd. Wearing a skirt. Hmm. Well, time went on, and not only did she wear a skirt, but her hair started getting longer. 
and she sold her motorcycle. And pretty soon, it was every day she was wearing that dress and she was having that long hair. Young people, there might be times when you feel the pressure to compromise. Even us older people, you might feel that pressure. You might feel that. And that's normal. That's normal. But I'm here to tell you tonight, from a sinner's perspective, we want to put the pressure on you. We want to put the pressure on you. You see, when Sister Linda would come to church, come to work in her skirt and her long hair. She not only brought that into the restaurant, but she started bringing this thing called conviction. I didn't like it. My dad didn't like it. The rest of the employees didn't like it. She's the only one in the whole restaurant that was in church. We began to put pressure on old Sister Linda. We started out by Dad going to her and telling her, saying, you got to cut your hair. You can't be having that long hair in this restaurant. He said, well, I'll just get a hairnet. Dad says, no. No, if you're going to be working here, you need to cut your hair. She didn't cut her hair. She'd come walking in the restaurant with her skirts. And tell her, say, can't work washing dishes. You got to put pants on. She said, I, I'm wearing a skirt. And she never did give in. Isaiah 43 and 7 says, Everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let us bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and I have showed. And when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. You see in that scripture there, it talks about in verse 8, that that the blind people, that they have eyes, and the deaf, they have ears. That's where I was. I had eyes, but I couldn't see. I had ears, but I couldn't hear. And here comes Sister Linda walking into the restaurant with this holiness standard I didn't understand. And there was a problem with that. And you may be dealing with the same thing in your workplace or in your school. You may walk into school and you get the cold shoulder. You may get the pressure. But understand there's something going on in the, in the spirit realm that needs to occur in order for that person to have a chance to be able to see and to be able to hear. Why was I treating Sister Linda badly? Because I wanted her to conform 
the world. See, I didn't know. I didn't know about this truth, Elder. I didn't understand it. I mean, it was, I mean, believe me, there were times when my buddies and I, we'd get, get together at my house, we'd sit around, and sometimes or another, there would come the, the subject of that Pentecostal church. I mean, I lived across the street from the courthouse, and you could look out my picture window, and you could see their church from my house. So it was right there all the time, so I could see it. And sometimes we look out there and see their cars parked out and they're having service and we kind of start talking amongst ourselves. What do you think about all that over there? Oh, that's nonsense. That's what I was thinking. We had ears, but we couldn't hear, and eyes we, we couldn't see. And here we are looking at one another trying to figure this out, Elder. See, my buddies, they didn't, you know, they didn't really know. I didn't tell them about Sister Linda a whole lot. So they didn't know the conviction that I was feeling when I was going to going to work, and they say, what do, what do you think about that speaking in tongues? That's the devil, ain't it? Yeah, it is. I heard it is. It is of the devil. And here we are living like the devil. I wanted Sister Linda to conform. I didn't like the conviction she was bringing to the workplace. I didn't like the message she was preaching every time she walked through the door. Because it was dealing with me about something in and of myself. And as something that Sister Linda didn't understand and realize is she opened the door for the Lord to start dealing with me. See, I grew up, I've told you guys, grew up Methodist or grew up Lutheran, ended up Methodist. And then I wasn't anything at all. So here she comes living that lifestyle and I don't know hill of beans about it brother all I know is it looks wacky it looks wacky and it's got to stop now it got so bad that there was a time when my dad called sister Linda into the office and he told her he said I'm cutting your pay told you to cut your hair and I've told you to wear pants and you're not doing it so I'm cutting your pay now I'm here to tell you dishwashers don't make six figures income they don't make a whole lot to begin with and here he was fixing to cut what little she was making but she hung in there elder she hung in there she showed up the next day just like she showed up the day before, like the day before, like the day before. And that would grade on my nerves. I'd be like, man, what is going on? What is with her? But see, I wanted her to conform. I wanted her to just give in. Come on, just, just get in pants, man. And 2 Corinthians 4 and 3 says, but if our gospel be hid... It's hid to them that are lost. Verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not of ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake, for God whom commanded the light to shine in darkness. 
hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, if Sister Linda would have conformed, she would have hid the gospel. If she would have conformed to just, oh man, I can't afford to cut and pay. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll be. I'll get my hair cut and I'll... And what that would have done to me would have said, mm-hmm, she's just like everybody else. You see, what she also didn't know was I was searching, Elder. I was living a life I didn't like living, and I was in a situation I didn't like being in, but I didn't let anybody know that, you see. I kept on the smile, and we, we did the party thing. We did the party it up. But see, people didn't see the nights when I'd go into my bedroom and lay there at night staring at my ceiling with tears streaming down my face going, God, I, I don't want to die lost. See, Sister Linda didn't see that. All she saw was a... Get them pants on. Cut that hair. She didn't see the other. You see, you're the only witness that some people are ever going to get. Sister Linda was the only witness that I was going to get. I think back on that now, man, I'm like, woo, that was close. That was close, Elder. I mean, man, if she'd have given in, if she'd have given in a little bit, I'd felt justified. I sure enough would have. Matthew Henry in his commentary about that scripture in 2 Corinthians, he says this, he says, God could have sent angels to make known the glorious doctrine of the gospel or could have sent the most admired sons of men to teach the nations, but he chose humbler, weaker vessels that his power might be more glorified in upholding them and in the blessed change wrought by their ministry. He's choosing you. Young people, he's choosing you. Older people, he's choosing you. Brother Nelson, he's choosing you. Wherever we go, whatever we do, when we walk into whatever, wherever we go, the atmosphere changes, folks. You might not feel it, but I'm here to tell you the atmosphere changes. I know I've been on the other side of that equation, Elder. I could almost tell you when Sister Linda walked in the back door, I could feel it. Another thing, Sister Linda, she had wisdom, I'll give her that. She didn't preach to me. She didn't have to. She didn't have to come up to me and say, bless God, you know you're going to hell. I knew I was going to hell, Elder. Do you know the way you're living, you're going to hell if you keep living that way? You better stop it. You better straighten up. She never said a word. She didn't say a word except to 
hey, we're having revival starting Thursday. Would you like to come? No. Leave me alone. Time would go on. Have you ever thought having a Bible study? Nope. Don't want one. And time would go on. And she'd keep coming to work. She'd keep holding that standard. She'd keep being that witness, that witness, that witness. Time and time again. And pretty soon she'd come up again. Hey, we're having a revival this week. Would you like to come? Nope. Got a party to go to, thank you very much. You interested in a Bible study? No. No. But as time went on, the Lord was dealing with him. He was doing his part. You see... What Sister Linda didn't realize was going on was God in the loneliness of my home or even in the party scene, God was sure enough doing His part on this boy. I remember a time, Elder, I went up to Wichita, Kansas. That was my haunt. That's where I went. I went up there and partied. I'd go to a nightclub or whatever, and I can still remember a time I went in there and, and the and the music was playing, and people were dancing, and I was sitting at this bar stool, and I got up, and as I got up, it's like somebody turned the music down. I thought, well, maybe they're getting ready to make an announcement. So I looked around, and everybody else was acting like everything was still going on. People were still dancing. Nobody stopped looking around. I was going, but I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear the music. What's wrong with my ears, man? I, I must be getting sick. Yeah, that's probably why I'm going to get a flu. So I got up and I walked around, walked around the edge of this this bar, and I was headed over, kind of over towards the a, a clearer area to where I could kind of figure this thing out. And Elder, as soon as I got over there, just like I'm talking to you, the Lord spoke to me and said, "The way you're living is breaking my heart." Sorry. Go cut your hair. Give in. Give in. Be like all the other churches in town. You know, be like the other uh, denominal churches in town that I'd go to and I'd sit on their pew and I'd sit there and service. And people knew my lifestyle that I lived and they'd look at me with, what's he doing? I can feel it. And I'd walk out of there going, God, I don't know where you're at. My dad, he... uh renovated the restaurant and enlarged it. And by doing so, he 
wanted to uh, install a supper club. Anthony was a dry town. There was no liquor in Anthony, Kansas. And the Nelsons brought liquor to Anthony, Kansas. But before that we could actually do that, there was some grumbling going on with the denominal churches in town saying, oh no, you can't put a supper club in Anthony, Kansas. We ain't having that. And Dad was hearing that. So finally, he just went to the, all the ministers there, you know, in the nominal churches, and he had a petition. He handed it to them. He said, here, you get enough signatures, we won't put it in the restaurant. So that next Sunday, they presented it to their congregations and asked people, if you don't want that supper club in Anthony, Kansas, after service, come up here and sign the petition. We get so many signatures, he won't put it in. My dad got four signatures. Four out of 12 denominal churches in Anthony, Kansas. And the sad thing about it is, is those four people that signed that petition that were so pious about that, that looked down their nose at my dad, looked down their nose at me, just happened to go to the same Methodist church that we went to, Elder. So, you know, oh, the Nelsons there. They're unclean. <laughs> Those four individuals that signed that petition became our best customers in the supper club. You see, so that's what I grew up on as a sinner. I would see people professing Christianity only to be disappointed, elder. Yeah, you say you're Christian. Then you go sitting in my dad's supper club and you ain't acting very Christian. You say that I go to church and I seen you with another man's wife. I seen it going on. And I got so frustrated for the Hilton to the place to where I remember standing in my house telling God, God, if this is what it takes to be saved, I'm going to hell. I'm not doing it. I'm not playing that game. If that's what it takes, going to that church or that church or that church, I'm not doing it. I'll go to hell. And there was Sister Linda. Day in, day out. Thought to myself, uh, Sister Linda can't be right. She, no, no, this can't be right. There's got to be another way. you see, God saw my heart, and he heard me in that house that day. And no doubt, he kept me on the hearts of those people in that Pentecostal church and prayer meeting when they'd raise their hand and say, pray for John Nelson. See, Second Peter 3 and 9, I'll remind you tonight that Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. It don't matter who it is. 
He wants, some, he wants them to come to repentance. That person that you're working with, that person that you're going to school with, that are so mean to you, or so obnoxious to you, or so hard to you, that God wants them to repent. God wants them to be saved. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That Greek definition of temptations there says a putting to proof. That's exactly what I did with Sister Linda. I put her to proof. Verse 4 says, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. Thank God, Sister Linda, let patience have its perfect work. Thank God she didn't get frustrated and get, get mad at me personally for the way I treated her. Somehow, some way, she didn't take it personal. And she just kept living it, kept living it, kept living it to the time when she finally looked at me and says, would you like a Bible study? And I said, yeah, I think I would. What time? Uh, uh, after we picked her up off the floor. <laughs> wake up. Huh, wake up. See, I grew up Trinity. I was one of those that when I would pray, I would... Five minutes to God, five minutes to the Holy Ghost, and five minutes to Jesus. I was. I didn't want to make any one of them mad. You know, no preferential treatment here, folks. You know. So I was Trinity. So here, here comes the first Bible study. Still got my long hair. Still got my drugs. Still living party. Here comes a man of God with Sister Linda into my house and plops down on my couch. And I looked him square in the eye, Elder, and I said, let me tell you something before you go any further. I don't want to know what you think or what you feel. I want to know what that book says. So the time you start saying, I feel or I think this is, you're out. He said, fair enough. Elder, he got to talking about the oneness of God. Kind of a weird place to start, ain't it? I mean, I don't, I don't know if fat meat's greasy when it comes to Scripture. And here he is starting on the oneness of God. He looks at me and he says, John, how many gods are there? <laughs> I know that. <laughs> there are three. That much I do know. He looks at me and he says, nope. He says, there's one. One. And he began to give scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. An elder, 
The God that met me in the bar that night came down in that room, in that living room. And that man began to minister to me through a Bible study. See, he was sensitive to the Holy Ghost to know that I was searching and I needed to know who he was. And he began to talk about the oneness of God. And he stopped and looked at me and he, he, he grabbed, I had three coasters on my, on my table and he spread them out, spread them out. And he said, how many coasters are there? I said, there's three. He says, yep. Took those three coasters and he piled them on top of each other. Looked at me again. He says, how many do you see now? And I said, one. And when I said one, the Holy Ghost removed the scales from my eyes and I got the revelation of the oneness of God, Elder. And I just stared at those coasters and I was like, There you are. There you are. The God that I loved. I, I loved God, folks. I did. But I didn't know how, how to get with Him. You see, I, I was going off of what everyone else was saying and what the denominal churches were saying. I was going off all of that. And, but I didn't know. Staring there looking at them coasters going. And I understood. I remember running to my best buddy Tracy after the Bible study. Man, I was so excited. <laughs> Out there on our front deck. Here comes Tracy. I said, Tracy! Man, and guess what? Guess how many gods there are? He goes, one. Tracy knew. I said, man, what did you tell me? And that began the process of a day when I finally got up early one Sunday morning, Brother Jerry, opened up my closet and got my best duds out, took a shower, put on deodorant, I looked out my picture window and it looked like that church was a million miles away, Elder. And I thought, I'm going today. Did Sister Lynn invite me? Nope. But the Holy Ghost was healing me. So I walked out my front door. And I didn't want anybody to see me. So across the street, I told you I lived by the courthouse and there was trees in the courthouse yard big tall mature trees I'd run from one to the next <laughs> now that's, that's been a few cheeseburgers ago I'd need some bigger trees today <laughs> but I did I'd hide behind that tree and I'd look around card come I'd Duck back, the car go by, run to the next tree. Until finally I got to the place I had to sprint for the front door. And I ran in there. And 
I opened up the door, Elder. And I walked in, and Sister Linda was up at the front of the church. She was talking about where you got the Holy Ghost, and we is about the same same scenario. The other side of the tracks, the other side of the tracks for sure. And she turned around, and her eyes was as big as saucers. And she went, John. You see, I was tired of being disappointed. And I thought Sister Linda was just another denomination. I didn't understand. Talking about a witness from a sinner's perspective. You don't know what God's doing in their house. You don't know how God's dealing with them. You don't know. Thank God Sister Linda was a witness. Let's all stand here tonight. I'm going to read you one last scripture. Sister Tori, you can come to the music. Jude chapter 1. But you beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't get frustrated. Don't take it personal. They don't know yourselves in the love of God. Look past it. Let it roll off your back. Yeah, I know it hurts, but you just gotta they don't know what they're doing. Looking for the mercy. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22. And of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh there's a field out there that's white and ready for the harvest folks there's a field out there but you see I, I believe this, I know it of myself I've let the, the thorns like I was talking about last time cumber me and get me off like I said the purpose some having compassion can you hear them can you hear the little 12 year old boy in his home tonight that's wondering if his daddy's coming home and if he does come home will he be drunk again Can you hear the drug addict saying in the cells, if there's a God, 
Will you help me? Can you hear the mama? Say, God, put my family back together. Can you hear them? Can you hear them? Can you hear their cries tonight? Can you hear the young man that's looking at his cell phone on social media and they're talking bad about him and bullying him and he throws the phone across the room and he's contemplating ending it all. Right where you're at, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hands. I don't know who you've come into contact with. I know, I know, I know, I know you know somebody. I know, I know you, you know somebody. And I'm going to ask you to, to ask God to help you renew your purpose renew your purpose to renew renew your witness renew your witness renew your your witness they need you they need you you're the only hope you're the only one that's carrying it to them that you understand and nobody else is going there pastor's not going there These altars are open. I want to invite you to come up here tonight and bring that person with you. Whoever it is, I'm going to ask you to petition God. Say, God, renew a burden. Renew a burden for them, God. Oh, that's it, church. That's it. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Help us, God. Help us, God.